And hello, hello, hello. We're back again for podcast number two. Our co-hosts today are me, Dr. Grace Ambrosakin, Executive Director of Safe Toddles, and... Kelvin Crosby, the CEO and founder of Smart Guider Inc., where we build navigation technology for blind and deafblind individuals to travel fully, independently, and safely. Welcome back, Kel. Nice to see you again. Yes, it's so good to be here. Wonderful. Well, today's topic is one that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's when Babies who are blind and mobility visually impaired grow up with unsafe mobility, what the observable consequences are, because that's something that we know a lot about. So why don't you kind of explain us a little bit what that means? Well, I will take us back to how I gathered my understanding. I was gifted a library of magazines, journals. I also read everything I could find from the 1800s up to the present. And in the 1950s, in fact, there was an epidemic called the ROP epidemic. Thousands of kids who were born prematurely were given oxygen in order to save their lives in the hospital, but it resulted in blindness or severe visual impairment. And so this inundated the schools and our literature just blossomed, just went crazy trying to share ideas. So what I did is I read every single journal I could get my hands on. And what I found were there were four areas that seemed to be separately discussed, but interrelated. Hmm. So what are these four areas? Are these silos or or are these just areas that are just dealing with the individual or kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So they're, I call them silos of developmental delay and they are in order of when they occur is gross motor skills, concept development, language skills, and social skills. And so in reading the literature, I found that these were the most common discussed concerns of children who were born blind and mobility visually impaired. Very interesting. So basically, we got language, we got motors, we got all these different parts that are important and that we're realizing, all right, we need to focus on these areas. So how did you go about doing that? Well, it's interesting for me because what, as an orientation mobility specialist, it hit me that if they could just use a cane, then all of the outcomes that are related to the gross motor delays could be fixed. And that's something that orientation mobility specialists have been trying very hard. They've tried push toys and handheld canes of all sorts for kids because What's clear about the gross motor is that most of the kids with early education access are taught to, you know, their infant skills are great. They're taught to roll over and push up with their hands and use their head and sit up, stand up and even start cruising furniture, which is a 12 month old skill. And so most parents will be like, that's terrific. And now my child at 15 months, is walking. Mm-hmm. So what they say is like, listen, my child beat all the odds. Uh, in, even though 
my child is blind, he can walk by himself, right? That would make you feel good. <laughs> In regards to the gross motor skill, what is the different stages that we should be looking at with our kids or our infants in growing and maturing and learning how to walk and to be able to the different silos that we've been talking about? You know, what I'm talking about is at by 12 months, a child should be cruising. Some do it earlier. That is, they hold on to your hand or they hold on to furniture and they're not letting go, but then when they're holding on to something, they can move their feet and, and walk. By 15 months, most children are able to walk with assistance, but also with a wide base gait and without assistance. They might run into some stuff. Running into objects is okay still at 15 months. And yet three months later, by 18 months, Walking and avoiding obstacles is the goal for the gross motor skills. And then by two years old or 24 months, they should all be running and avoiding obstacles. That's quite the, the assignment, be able to run as a blind, blind toddler and be able to have the freedom. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, my, my parents say, man, they couldn't keep me under control. And so we're, at, we're basically we're saying is we want our kids to be out, have the freedom to be able to run freely at age two and have that ability to have those motor skills that they need to be able to do that. I think that's awesome. Well, the thing is, as I was saying, is there's two parts to the gross motor skill, right? So at 12 months, if you're holding on to something, that's just moving. You're holding on, you're safe. But when you're 15 months or 18 months or two years old, now you're supposed to start to be able to use your visual motor skill. That is using your vision to avoid obstacles while walking and running. So what do we think about if we have a blind toddler who is walking are they going to be able to walk? Yes, check, they're walking. But are they going to be able to visually avoid obstacles? No. <laughs> the answer is no, right? If you're blind, you can't visually avoid anything. That's just a sensory impossibility. And it's not their fault. It's not like they did anything wrong. It's just they can't see. When parents and professionals say, hey, this child is beating the odds. Actually, they're not. There's nothing, very often, nothing physically wrong with children. So they can do the first part. They can walk. But the second part is they can't see obstacles. So they can't learn how to avoid them visually. So what's the answer for a blind person who can't see obstacles? What do we do? We give them a cane. Yes, that gives them the tactile information about the path. Is the path blocked? Well, if your cane stops you, yes, it's blocked. And you can learn to turn and look for a clear path. Or you could walk up to it and investigate it and see what it is that your cane found. It's A cane is very much like your pair of eyes in that regard. It's telling you what's in your way or it's telling you something is in your way or there's a curb and it's about to fall down if you don't stop. So you need that two steps of warning before you encounter obstacles. And uh, that way you can learn to have a uh, tactile motor response to your walking. So can I ask this question? I'm quite interested in this. 
we've been talking about motor skills. So if we look at the belt cane and then look at a regular cane, what's easier for at this age for a toddler to be able to use? Is it a regular cane or the belt cane? Well, if we consider everything that's made for toddlers and preschoolers is built understanding their limits. Uh, For example, a car seat. A car seat is built so that mommy and daddy can buckle it for them. They have to secure it into the seat. Um, Everything that we consider, uh, when you put locks on drawers, why do we put drawer locks? Because toddlers don't know enough not to put their little fingers in and and, uh, and smash them. So we have to protect them from themselves. So a long cane was created, the the rod cane, for adults in 1945 for Army vets. And so it works very well when an adult uses it because the adult can quickly learn to sweep it back and forth, one step, one swipe. You have to use that cane correctly, as you know, Cal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if for you sure. stop sweeping, what happens? Well, you're going to have a nice little encounter with a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So if you use it correctly, then you get the information you need. If it's stationary or off the ground or behind you, it's not doing its job. It can't do its job. So you need something like a belt cane for someone as young as a toddler because it's developmentally correct you just put that on them, and now it's always where it needs to be. It's in the right place at the right time all the time. So it's constantly giving the child who's wearing it that critical information about the path ahead. That's so awesome. I, I think that's what's so awesome about the belt cane is that it gives the child the ability to build on motor skills and have the freedom as a sighted child and be able to do the thing that they that a sighted child wouldn't have at that point with the belt cane and not have to have the limitations. So I think this is super exciting what the belt cane can do in accommodating for those motor skills that we've been talking about and how that can really help them learn those motor skills how to like grab and how to do those things and be able to have that freedom to navigate i just want to say that that first part of the delay gross motor delay sometimes was overlooked as well that's can't be helped it's not such a big deal Sure, they're going to react to collisions, but we can sit them down and teach them until they're able to use the cane or until we're able, you know, we could we could sort of circumvent. We'll put them in a stroller, we'll push them around, we'll carry them, we'll help them, we'll hold their hand, thinking that independent walking isn't such a problem at such a young age. But in fact, the onset of independent walking triggers immediate and significant acceleration in language growth. And this is a pattern that's stable and in every culture because an infant's walking experience predicts both receptive and expressive language. So they have significantly larger vocabularies if they're walking compared to age-matched infants who are not yet walking. And that's been repeated in research over and over and over again. And the reason we... Not sure exactly why, but we know that it afford when you're walking independently, you get to experience new opportunities and experiences that uh, results in concepts. And concepts turns to language, turns to social skills. So you have to independently go over and pull the pots out 
of the drawer and make a mess so that you hear your mom go, what are you doing with my pots? And then you go, pots! And then you <laughs> bang the pot and then stop banging the pots! And you go, bang, bang the pots! Yeah. Right? You start learning and then you start understanding if I want my mother's attention, I have to go bang pots. <laughs> so it's really important that they get out there and investigate on their own. And that's what independent walking means it means it is the driver of reaching your developmental potential kind of wrapping us up here kind of to give us the three ma- or the four main major motor skills uh silos and kind of bring us a wrap up here well so that's that's the thing that i found out it's that the gross motor skills are your first indicator and you think well if my child's blind and he's walking he's good to go. He's going to get to language and concepts and social skills. But the problem is, is that the blind child will collide. And so what we know is there's a start stop pattern of gross motor. They start it, but then after these negative consequences of tripping and falling and colliding and suddenly, you know, being off balance, they stop walking and they sit down. And that's the problem as they are allowed to walk at 15 months old, even though they're blind, without a belt cane results in these fundamental assaults, injuries that then make them not want to walk and make them afraid to walk. So by putting a belt cane on them, it's going to allow them to continue that walking with zeal, they start running, they start enjoying life, and their language blossoms, their concepts blossom, and then they start having great social skills because you need concepts and language in order to have social skills. That's why they're all related back to safe mobility. You need to feel safe to learn. And I didn't say that. That's Maslow's hierarchy. Um, you have to feel safe and secure before you can really be ready to learn. That's, that's good stuff to know. And I think that brings us to an end here and thank you guys for listening to the safe toddles podcast and if you want to get a hold of us more on safe toddles uh, you can go to safe toddles.org you can email us at info at safe toddles.org and get a hold of us and if you'd like to find us on facebook you can go to safe toddles on facebook and you'll find us there Again, we want to thank you all for today. And Grace, do you have any last words before we wrap up? Thanks, Cal. This has been really a treat. And yes, we're on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. We're everywhere your social media wants to be. All right. You guys have a great day. Bye.